Welcome to the ECU Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're teaching through a series here on Wednesday nights through the book of Ephesians to help us implement strategies and concepts to really further the kingdom through our local church. We hope you'll enjoy. That was dusty, I think. So I used to make this noise for my teenagers and they loved it. And it, and it went something to the nature of woo, woo, woo. And then they would do it back at me and it was like this war cry. And I'm sure that we sounded just completely ridiculous. But hearing that in the hallway just really reminded me. And it's kind of that went along with it was this really awesome uh, moment that I would get to share with them where I would... I would and I, I don't feel like I say this enough anymore. It's, it, you could have chosen to be anywhere in the world. Right? You could have chosen to be doing anything right now. But you're here. You're ready to study the Word of the Lord. So I love you. Let's dive in. And there was just, it was just this moment of just building and culmination. And then we would take our Bibles. Everybody got their Bible with them tonight? Look at all these Bibles. Yes. And I would tell them, see, I've been, I've been, I've been teaching the, 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 the Word of God book at a time for a long time now. And I would say, take your Bible. And guys, what are we studying? Anybody remember what we've been studying? Ephesians. Ephesians right? And we're excited to dive back into it. So I would tell them, let's open up to the book of Ephesians. And you would get really excited about it. So I'm just living this out vicariously through you guys. Uh, but we get excited about it. And we study the Word of the Lord together. And so, with that being said, right now, I'm going to read uh, this passage of Scripture for us. After I'm done rearranging things pointlessly on this little table. I'll read the passage of Scripture. I'm going to read this in its entirety right here. It's verses 11 through 18 of chapter 2. Uh, we're going to pick back up, kind of highlight in verse 14, and then work our way through. So it says, <clears throat> picking up in verse 11, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised, by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. And at that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And in his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God and one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. And he came out. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. 
So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In Him, the whole building put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just pray that tonight, Lord, as we open Your Word, as we begin to study Your Word, God, that we set our sights and set our mind on You. And we would just allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, God, and You to speak directly to us, God. Use this Word, use this passage, God, to mold and transform our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Who realizes there's a lot of construction terms in this passage? Right? A lot of building terms in this passage. And the last time that we were together, uh, we covered verses 14 through 16, but I want to kind of give you a refresher on those because I need, I need a refresher. Not you guys. I know you guys are sharp. Uh, but I need a refresher. And so in verse 14, we saw that He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And there's some really... Oh, technology's good until it didn't. Uh, there's some really cool stuff going on right here in verse 14. And I'm going to get to it in just a second. Uh, so there, there's this really cool thing going on right here in verse 14. He says, For He is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And the Greek is really cool because there's this double entente going on here. And so a, a literal translation from the Greek could be said, the fence, the barrier of hostility separating the two has been removed by He who is our peace. So that's my, my, my literal paraphrase. I think that, that clears it up a bit, right? The fence, which is... Anybody want to take a guess what the, the, the hostility is that separates us from God? Sin. Shame. Right? And so we have a tendency to take this very... Who, we, we have a tendency to take this very, this very temporary thing of sin and shame... And turn it into a permanency. Y'all understand that? Does that make sense? We, we, we have a tendency to let sin, which affects us, have an eternal effect. Right? And it, it does separate us from God. But through Jesus, we were given a way out of our sin. And a way out of our shame. You say, well, I don't make it permanent. How many times, I know we've said this, but how many times have you heard someone say, I'll get my life right with God, but first I'm going to get this wall of hostility fixed. And that's when you have to politely look at them and say, on your own power, on your own ability, on your own understanding, you'll never do that. That's what the cross was for. And so, again, the Greek here builds up this, this beautiful... Uh, Quite literally, there's a, there's a balance on both sides. And so we have the, the barrier, the fence. Y'all see that? 
And so in the middle of this barrier, the fence, is the hostility. And the hostility, we've said, is sin. It is shame. <clears throat> and so we, in our minds, have a, 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 a tendency, like I said, to, to, to turn this very temporary thing into permanent consequence. And so much so that we'll take the, the Ten Commandments, we'll take the Law and the Prophets, and instead of realizing what, they're, what they actually are, we look at them for what they are not. How many times do we look at the Ten Commandments and look at, and look at these, these uh, Mosaic laws, these uh, Levitical laws, and look at it and go, this is just a rules and regulation list of what I can't do. Anybody ever felt that way? Just me. There we go. We look at it and we go, man, oh God, if you would just let me do this thing. It's the same as when we say, if I just had more time, I would better steward. No, you would be the same steward you are now and just clutter even more time. If I had more money, then you would just exponentially do the same thing that you do now, but with more money. Right? <clears throat> and so instead of looking at the Ten Commandments for what they are, we see them for what they are not. Should you be killing anybody? No. Should you be stealing from anybody? No, so these are things you already should not be doing. Why? I'm a conscious. No, the Holy Spirit convicts you and tells you not to do it. But instead of looking at them for what they, they are, we see them for what they are not. You've you got to look at the first four, which comes from uh, Exodus chapter 20. And, and let me just boil these down for you. The first four, whether you know this or not, the first four all point us back to God. Number one, y'all remember what it is? Have no other gods. And it, 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 you'll go back and you'll notice something. Gods is little g, gods. I don't have other gods in my life. That iPhone in front of you, go to settings. There's a, a, a button that says screen. Oh, no. Screen time. We have gods. Well, I don't, I'm not addicted to my phone. Go to your bank account. <laughs> Go to your resources. How much of this are you returning to God? Because all of it's God. Y'all realize that, right? Wednesday night crew, I can say this to y'all. That's all God's. He is so loving and so faithful that He gives you 90% of what's not yours. With the hope that you bring 10% back to Him. Why? Because in that 10% that He allows you to, to give something that's not yours, you get to feel like a steward of it. He does that for your benefit. We see it as, as oh man, that just comes right off the top. Yeah, you're lucky it comes off the top. Because if it didn't, you would do something ungodly and sinful with it. You would make yet another idol in your life. Second commandment. Have no idle images or barriers of separation. Well, I don't. How many of y'all like Clemson Tiger football? Woo! How many of y'all like them Shamecocks? How many of y'all like them Wildcats? Woo! And the whole crowd just goes wild. Hey, guess what, guys? Have no other graven image for me. How many times have you not done what God called you to do because you're worried about what your Saturday night, Saturday afternoon football festivities look like? 
The third one. Love this one. Do not, do not curse or forsake God. The fourth one. Here's, here's this one. This one is the one that really gets me. And I'm a product of it. Oh, our lives are so busy. Well, that is unfortunate because you made it busy. How many of us actually do I want to, I don't I don't want to get this into a legalistic standpoint, guys. Does it have to be Sunday? No, it actually is not Sunday. If there's any day that I can assure you it's not, it's, it's Sunday. Sabbath in the biblical sense is Friday night, 6 p.m., Saturday night, 6 p.m. That block of time belongs to you resting and worshiping God. All right, well, my schedule, that's great. Then take it from Wednesday night, 6 p.m. to Thursday night, 6 p.m. I can't give 24 straight hours. That's okay, too. Time block, 12 hours. From this time, Wednesday night, 12 o'clock, to Wednesday night, 12 o'clock. Friday morning from 6 a.m. to Friday afternoon at 6 p.m., right? Take the time and actually spend the time that God told us and spend it dedicated, committed to God, and let's see what your life looks like. Yet He wasn't just giving you a time when you were null and void. He was taking you and doing something for your benefit and saying, let's spend time together. Anybody realize that if you're going to spend time with someone, you have to make plans to spend time with someone. It doesn't just happen. Right? It doesn't just naturally happen. We have to plan it. And so God wants us to put Him above these things. And so verse 15, He says, But He may of no effect the law consisting of the commands and express regulations, so that He might create in Himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He said, what is, what is this? So there's a couple things. Again, there's a double entente. Paul's pretty good at that if y'all haven't gotten it by this point in time in the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> He's talking two things. This carnal or sarks or flesh man and the godly man. But he's also talking about the Jew and the Gentile. Instead of these man-made dividing lines, he's telling us see past the divisions and see that we're made one in Him. You know who the first person that God called you to love is? God. That was like a softball right there. If y'all, come on guys. The first person we're called to love, God. And you're like, yeah. Second person we're called to love, the person that you hate. This one's not a trick question. Number one, just as we tell our kids, what's the right answer? Right answer is always God. God. Number two, the person that you hate, the person that does you wrong, the person that you just cannot seem to get along with. And I see a lot of faces looking at me right now like, I don't like that one. You know, none of us do. That's why we're not God. Well, you don't understand what they've done to me. Think of what you've done to God. <clears throat> Soak on that for a minute. You don't know how wrong they've done me. You just don't understand what they've taken from me. You took God's Son from Him. 
And after we took him, we spit on the grave. I didn't do that. Well, you're not worshiping him. And so by not worshiping him, quite literally, you are spitting on the cross. Mark, this one is not my most popular teaching. Why? Because we don't like to be confronted by our sin. We don't like to be confronted by what we do wrong. We just want to be paraded around and told, you're so good and you do so, you just do such good things. No, we are all sinners in need of a savior. And while I'm yet a sinner, while I'm dead in my trespasses, that's when Christ Jesus died for me. See, we just like to just look at my good. Y'all, anybody ever had their pictures taken? You say, well, just get my good side. We don't have a good side. We are, I hate to say that, uh, we are wretched. We are marred. We are marked up with our sin, with our shame. And we don't have to be. Y'all understand that, right? We don't have to be. We are given this beautiful gift, this beautiful escape from our sin, from our shame, from ourselves. But it requires submission. It requires humility. Ah, that, is, that one just doesn't come off the tongue good. Why? We don't like to be humble. I have actually had someone tell me, I'm the most humble person I know. Saying that in that statement, you just ruined it. You may have been up to that moment, but in that moment, it died. Your humility, rest in peace. <laughs> and so there, there is this two men being married. Not in the non-natural. There, there are two... Uh, n- There are two parts of man. There we go. Being married. Two men cannot marry each other. That's not a marriage. Sorry. That is a contractual agreement that the United States has allowed you to make with one another. How do we know that it's not marriage? Because back in Genesis, Jesus, through back in Genesis, rather, God defines marriage. One man, one woman. And what does he tell them to do? Be fruitful and multiply. I like that part, right? Nobody? Marriage. Can two men be fruitful and multiply? Negative, Ghost Rider. Can two women be fruitful and multiply? Negative, Ghost Rider. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. It's sin. But, so is alcoholism. So is adultery. So is lust. So is, oh... See, y'all just like the part where I put the the homosexuality out there. You didn't like when we kept listing other sins. Because we have a tendency, especially in the South, to put that one at the top of the list and make it into something to just... that, that, That one is the one. No, they're all equal. They all separate us from God. Off of my soapbox. And he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body. What's that next part say, anybody? Through the cross. 
How can we be unified to one another? How can I love the person who I hate? Well, let's start by not hating them. There's step one. And then the cross. Jesus did all the hard work. You just got to get over yourself. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. We just have to realize we were never put on the seat of judgment. You don't get to make those choices. You don't get to decide who's good and who's bad. We're all bad. Just like the, the, the answer to who to love first is, is God. Not like a trick question. Who's bad? All of us. Just the mailman, guys. I just deliver it. And we might be reconciled through the cross. All right, now here's the beautiful part. Remember we had the two sides of the fence, right? The fence, the barrier. And what was the fence itself? What was it? Y'all remember? Hostility. What was the hostility? Sin. Sin. Yeah, you got it. Well, now look at this. Through the cross by which He put hostility to death. You see, there's this beautiful thing right here in the Greek where death means death. Right? It dies. Like dead dead. Not regular dead, but like dead dead. Okay? So, in other words, permanently we are separated from our sin because of the cross. Because of the death. Because of the sacrificial love of Jesus. We're separated from our sins. Forever, forever. And He came and proclaimed the good news of peace. And so, this is going to be... Oh man, when y'all see this in a second, this is... This one's a game changer. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. Remember again, Paul, double entente. Y'all want to take a wild guess who's he talking about? The saved and the unsaved can both be, you guessed it, saved. The Jew first, but also the who? The Gentile. You see, we read Scripture through a Western lens. Let me tell you something really quick. Census Bureau will tell you that the average American moves anywhere between 11 and 14 times in their lifetime. 11 and 14 times. I counted it. I've got nine already and I'm 32. Yeah. The Eastern mind, guess what? The house that you were born in is most likely going to be the house that you die in. And maybe, just maybe, if you are well off and you are well to do, you can have another level built and kind of have your own home. But if you moved twice in a lifetime, you are a vagabond in those days. Like you were just someone who could not settle down. Some of us move twice in a year, three times in a year. Put down some roots. Well, all right, here's the one nobody's going to like. I'm just a mailman. People don't want to put roots down in a church. 
They just want to jump and bounce from one to the next. This one hurts me, so what do I do? I just go to the next one. Well, guess what? Somebody's going to hurt you there. Good thing it was never about the people on the individual level. What was it about? A united people worshiping God. What were we made for? Y'all remember this? To worship God. Man, y'all jumped right to it. It's like that one's starting to get across. We were made to worship God. You cannot worship God when you're so busy hopping around. We're unfaithful. I'm 32, guess what? That means, Lord willing, I could be here for a long time. I could teach you. I could teach your kids. I could teach your grandbabies. Maybe you already got grandbabies. I can teach your great-grandbabies and their great-great-grandbabies. You, you know? Why? Because I want to set some roots. I want to teach the Word. This is unpopular, but y'all know what my number one job, my number one priority is? Preach the Word. And Paul tells his young man, young son in the faith, Timothy, preach the Word in and out of season. What does that mean? Preach the Word when you feel like it. Preach the Word when you don't feel like it. Preach the Word when it's popular. Preach the Word when it's not popular. Preach the Word. Number two is to love on people. But that first one is it's way up there. Not that loving on people is not important, but it pales in comparison. Why? Because if I'm properly teaching the Word, I'm training up our, our, our body to love on each other. And we can spread roots that are a lot deeper than one person can plant. <clears throat> so Paul tells us in uh, Galatians 1 verse 12, some people aren't aware of this, but say, how did Paul actually become an apostle? Anybody ever wondered that? Because So let me give you the qualifications. Big A apostle. You know how you became a big A apostle? Direct revelation, direct teaching under who? Jesus. Look at this, guys. Y'all are getting it. And you're like, well, the thing about Paul is Jesus was already dead. Right? Anybody thinking it? I'm just, yeah, I'm just... Putting it out there for you. So, here's the really cool part you don't know. Remember when Paul... Y'all remember this? Paul starts to kind of get into some disagreements with people. Y'all remember that part? Yeah. So, and he kind of gets kicked back up to where he came from. But there's this one guy that kind of keeps in communication with him and keeps up with his story. Y'all remember what his name is? Barnabas. You got it. So, in this time frame, we know it's at least three years. How do we know? Because follow this... That follow this uh, this route in Galatians, but Paul actually spends time in seclusion or in oh y'all are here on Wednesday so y'all can get the secret sauce aramos it's a Greek word you know what it means the wilderness y'all remember where, where we where do we meet John the Baptist in the wilderness guess where Jesus' favorite place to go and pray is the wilderness just so you're aware this would be like. Just so countercultural to the Jewish mind. Because guess what happens in the wilderness in the Jewish tradition? Y'all ever heard where the wild things are? Y'all ever heard that expression? So that's where they thought that the unclean spirits were just roaming around. 
was out in the wilderness. So here's Jesus, this guy that goes out in the wilderness and prays. Here's John the Baptist. Quite literally, John the Baptist is, is the, thought of as, as a second Elijah. Why? Because Elijah goes in the place where nobody else wants to go, out in the wilderness, and he prays. And Elijah is like, look, I'll, wear, I'll keep wearing the, 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 the burlap and I'll wear the leather belt, but like I'm going to be more in the city here. That's your thing, Elijah. And he's like, that's okay. Because if you see me leave, you're going to get a twice blessing. Y'all, y'all familiar with that in Scripture? Okay. So John comes and is the second uh, iteration, so to speak, of Elijah. So who symbolizes the law? Do you guys know this one? Moses. So wait a minute. Who symbolizes the prophets? Everything else. Y'all want to take a wild guess? Elijah, you got it. So y'all remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, who is it that Jesus sees? Boom, Moses and Elijah. Why? Because the law and the prophets, and they're all married as one, and they are married as one under who? Jesus. Why? Because He didn't come to to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. And so when we see John in the wilderness looking like Elijah... Why does he look like Elijah? Because he is the last Old Testament prophet. That's crazy. So that brings us all back to right here in Galatians. Paul is out in the wilderness. He's out in a Ramos. I'm going to get us out of here at a good time. It's going to be awesome. Y'all are going to love this. He says, I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it. This is the gospel is the it, in case y'all are wondering. But rather I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ Himself. Why? Because Paul goes into the solitary place. Paul goes into the wilderness, Arabia. He goes into Egypt. He goes into this desert place. And quite literally, Jesus Himself ministers to Paul there. So how can Paul be considered an apostle? Because he did have direct teaching, direct revelation from Jesus. So when Paul uses this expression here, uh, Get my voice back. For he came and proclaimed the good news of peace. The gospel of peace. Y'all remember how Sunday I gave y'all one of those if you blink, you miss it moments? If you blink, you miss it. Why is it important? One of Jesus' just most countercultural teachings. And it comes from John Chapter 14. You're going to be familiar with it when you hear it in just a second. But it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Jesus, quite literally, the the disciples, the apostles, is giving them the gospel of what? Peace. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away. They didn't get it still, guys. 
When Jesus is saying this, he ain't been killed yet. So when he says, I'm going away, they're like, oh, he must be going. Oh, yeah, he's going to he's going to give Caesar a piece of his mind. Right. They don't get it. And we're reading it again, guys, we're reading it from the Western eyes. We've already seen Jesus be crucified. We've already seen Jesus be resurrected. We've already seen the ascended Jesus. They haven't seen that yet. So he says, I'm going away. And I'm coming back to you. They're like, oh yeah, for sure. He's good. He might even punch Caesar. Like he might. Right? Like he's been all about peace, but like he's going to give Caesar the business. They don't get it. And he says, if you love me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father. And they're like, I don't think Yahweh lives with Caesar. Why? Because they want this military overthrow. They want this, this guy who will just grab life by the horns and just take the Romans out. That's not Jesus, y'all. He is the suffering servant. Now the next time, it's a little different. The next time, he grabs life by the horns. He takes old nappy chin and gives him the business. Why? Because the next time, it's not about peace anymore. It is, but only for those who have called on Him as Lord and Savior. Because the Father is greater than I. Okay, guys, hold on to something really quick. Do anybody just... This is Jesus, by the way. If your Bible is words are red, this is red. Because the Father is greater than I. Jesus quite literally lived out humility. And now I have told you before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. In other words, guys, He's saying, they're going to kill me. And you're going to get heartbroken because you think I'm gone. I'm coming back. It says, but I'm telling you this right now so that when they do kill me, you'll hold on to hope. And if y'all remember... What happens, they kill him on the cross. And in that moment, only three people really had any hope. And two of them are women, so they don't have their witness doesn't account for anything. Think about that. The Marys and John. They're the only ones who follow it out. Where's Peter? We don't know, but it ain't right there. He's soaking, he's soaking on the wounds. When, when Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times, Peter, and that's okay. I still love you because I'm going to build the church on you. Because you're not going to be the man that you are right then forever. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. But I do exactly what the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Now get up and let us go on from here. And that really begins the end for Jesus. They get up from that moment. They begin to leave. Y'all know what they go and do? Sing some hymns. Sing some psalms. And then those last days, those last times, those last hours with Jesus quickly begin to unravel. 
And exactly what Jesus said was going to happen, happens. Why? Because He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit. Y'all remember what that is? Remember we had you practice. I was waiting on somebody to be like, oh, it's just Ruach HaKadosh. You got it. It's the Holy Spirit that seals us in Him. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Again, remember, forget the western eyes. Eastern eyes. You put roots down and you stay somewhere. You're no longer foreigners, you're no longer strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. Where's our eternal, our forever homes, guys? Heaven with God. And members of God's household... We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In Him, the whole building, He keeps going with the, with the building terms here. While He's like, I get these terms. Cornerstone, I got you, bro. Being put together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just pray that tonight, Lord, as we study Your Word, we would just take these, this passage home, God, and we would continue to soak in it, God, that we would continue to commit it to our memory, commit it to our hearts, God, that we would pursue You, that we would seek You, God, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, God. I just pray that tonight, Lord, if <coughs> You would just come into this place, God, You would just work mightily through us, that we would take Your Word out into our communities, we would take Your Word out into our, our workplace, we would take Your Word out to all the places that we go, Lord, bring your people home. Our eternal resting place in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.